With the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the Foxhole. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jason Searle, and on behalf of Cape and Smen, and thank you for joining us in the Foxhole on this feast of St. Mary Magdalene. Our men's faith formation groups follow the example of servant of God, Father Emil Capon, a priest from Kansas who lived the gospel in a simple daily life all the way through his heroic actions on the battlefields and in the prisoner of war camp in Korea, where he eventually died at the hands of his captors. Although Father Capon was ordered to safety during the Battle of Insan, his response to accompanying his men during the battle that ensued and their subsequent capture resulted in Father Capon becoming the most highly decorated chaplain in United States Army history. The Foxhole has been honored to host guests who are making a difference in their communities, families, and their faith circles. And we explore how they, just like Father Capon, are doing the simple things in extraordinary ways. This week, we're honored to have Father Stephen Brazel, who is a native of Mobile, Alabama. Father Stephen entered the seminary directly after high school and was ordained to the priesthood in 2011. He's first appointed to St. Pius X Parish in Mobile and then as pastor of St. Vincent de Paul. He was recently reassigned as pastor of St. Mary's and St. Joan of Arc Parishes in Mobile. He's an Eagle Scout and has a special place in his heart for ministry to the youth and to the sick and the dying. Before I turn it over to Joe and Father Stephen, I want to remind you that you can find all of our resources at capensmen.com and watch our free faith formation series at form.org. You can also share this and our previous podcast with friends via Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast formats. We appreciate you helping us to share the message of Father Capon. Please give us a like and a review if you're inspired to do so. Joe's going to lead us with a prayer, and with this, it's an honor to introduce and welcome Joe and Father Stephen. Good morning, and thanks for joining us in the Foxhole, man. Good morning. Good morning, Jason. Thank you for the introduction and for the encouragement. And I love to start with a quiet prayer. And I know that sometimes we hear this when we say, Joe, every week we're starting at the same place. But for a lot of us, this world, especially the last couple months, has just got more and more chaotic and intense and anxiety um, seems to be the rule of the day. So for us as Christians, we take a second and we just quiet our hearts and we we almost are still for just a second and just to allow God to speak to us. So I just want to encourage everybody on the call, unless you're driving a car down the road, uh, just to take a second and to just be still. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And just in our hearts, just to open our hearts up a little more today uh, to what the Lord desires to speak to us and through us. Come, Holy Spirit. And we just invite uh, that God, the, the God that, that calms the, the crazy seas, the God that, that enters chaos and brings peace, um, to just bring more peace to our hearts, Lord, so that we can be messengers of hope uh, to a world that has fallen to despair in a lot of places. I ask all these things to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. 
and especially on this day uh, through the intercession uh, of St. Mary Magdalene. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Today is the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene. It has that great sentence in today's Gospel. Mary Magdalene says, I have seen the Lord. And I was praying about that this morning because you're going to meet a good friend of mine. Uh, and I, I've, I really, I basically, when I meet people and, enc- and encounter folks, that's one of the standards I use, is have they seen the Lord? Do they, they speak and act from a place of encounter that they themselves have encountered God? And I was given the blessing a couple of years ago of going down to Mobile and spending a few days with our guests. And there were two things that struck me about this man. Uh, the first uh, is that he loves his people and prays for them. I've never, ever seen a priest pray for his people like Father Stephen did, which was inspiring to me as a person who um, is a lay person and appreciates the prayers of our priests. And secondly, I was just impressed that Father Stephen is who he is. He's not trying to be something he's not. He's just who he is. And so I'm going to start at a place that we've never started on the call from the foxhole, and that is in the world of video games. Because I did find out that Father Stephen is like an avid retro video game collector. So Father Stephen, I know you're there. I want to invite you into the call, and I just want to ask you to just fill in that little space because there's somebody on this call that might appreciate an, a, a retro video game collector um, and maybe even a player. So give us a little bit of that if you don't mind as we start. Yeah, I'm sure that's a pretty um, strange place for us to start. Thank you for having me um, as a part of this this morning. Um, yeah, retro video games. Um, I uh, I collect lots of mainly um, original Nintendo games. I have a a wide collection of them. Um, it started out as mainly a nostalgic thing, but uh, over years of collecting and going to thrift stores and estate sales and just, you know, there's a hunt of it. You know, that's just kind of a fun hobby. Uh, it's harder now these days because the prices have gone up and people realize that people are interested in it, so it's not really as fun anymore. But um, my main interest in it actually is tied to another hobby of mine, um, and that's the music. I really appreciate the music of... Uh, video games in general, but um, mainly those old games, uh, the chiptune style with, you know, just square waves and triangle waves. Um, and I'm also a musician and I make electronic music. I have, uh, you know, I'm, I have my own modular synthesizer and stuff. So just studying the music of it, you might think, you know, uh, just to take an example, the Super Mario Brothers theme that everybody knows, that, 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 that song. We all know it, but if you ever try to learn how to play it, it's an extraordinary complex piece of music. Um, and it's really amazing how much work um, and art goes into the creation of that sort of thing. And that was just, you know, in Japan in the 80s. So the whole story of it, all that stuff is really very intriguing to me. And um, I hope that somebody out there is interested in that. And this isn't just a weird conversation that everybody's privy to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. I, I had no clue. You, you got me. And I also remember that Mobile is the first Mardi Gras in the country is that correct father steven isn't that where yes that's where right born? so it's a it's a bit of a chip on our shoulder i guess because we're only two hours from new orleans and they're the city that's famous for mardi gras but also infamous for mardi gras because it's not necessarily a, a family celebration over there but we're very proud of the fact that we're an older city than new orleans and uh and so the french traditions and things came over and were established here before they were over there and our celebration for mardi gras is quite big and a lot of fun and also very family friendly uh, so anytime somebody's down here, you know, when Joe came down, I put him through all the, we went to the Carnival Museum and all that stuff and, and let him know 
that hey, this this is where the real celebration is. No, I I, I look, Father Stephen, we could we could talk about Mardi Gras and video games all day, but I do know that there are people on the call that are going to be inspired by your love for litur- liturgy, and I I personally have just been kind of encouraged by it through the years of knowing you, meeting you at camp, and just seeing the um, just the, the exquisite detail and the excellence that you bring to liturgy. So would you mind, I know you've just relocated to a new parish, and I know for you um, there's a lot of changes in that. Can you just break open a little bit about why you approach the liturgy the way you do, and um, and even how it's just a part of the ministry for you as you kind of restart um, at a new parish? Certainly. Uh, the liturgy is where people primarily encounter Christ. Uh, it's what Christ intended. It's why he gave us the sacraments and uh, built the church around these experiences of grace. And so it's it's important that we take extreme, uh, not extreme, that's wrong, extraordinary care, uh, to use words uh, that you had said, uh, about making it uh, as much as we can a uh, facilitating an, an encounter with Christ and the grace that he offers us in the sacraments. Uh, we don't want to be lazy about it. Uh, and so we, the thing that's really on my mind this week and next week is I'm in the middle of altar server camp. After I say Mass here uh, in a few minutes after the uh, after the, the talk is done, um, I've got a whole bunch of kids that are going to be coming over here, and I'm going to be training them in altar serving. And I approach it very much like a team sport. Uh, I Like we take a whole week full. I'm doing two weeks just to spread folks out because of the virus. Um, but we, we take a whole week of pretty intense drills, not just on where to stand, but how to stand and on what everything's called. I actually make them do a written test at the end so that they know all the vocabulary, what the difference between a chalice and a ciborium and a purificator is. They have to know all those things. Um, I want them, I want them to be so good that they're almost invisible, but if somebody does notice what they're doing, they look like they know what they're doing. And I think in a lot of parishes, the altar service can be a bit of a distraction because they don't know what they're doing, and that's not their fault. They weren't trained very well, um, or it, or they maybe they the the deacon or the priest is doesn't trust them with an awful lot of responsibility, and so like they don't they like physically grab them by the shoulder and move them where they're supposed to be. I don't like my service to be like that. I like my service to be in control and know what they what they're supposed to do, um, because for them it's a ministry. Um, at my previous parish, um, because of that system. I have I had as many altar servers that were in high school as were, you know, in grade school. Most of the time altar servers you get to the 8th grade and then they're kind of done with this because it's kind of lame. But the liturgy's not lame. The liturgy is where we encounter Christ and if you make this something that's a responsibility that these young boys and young girls can respond to, it's attractive and they want to keep doing it because it's good. Like they realize that they are giving something to their parish. Uh, and so often the way that we approach our youth is we've got to give them things and we forget to ask anything out of them. Uh, so I, I have a real passion for not just the child's place in the liturgy, but for everybody's place in the liturgy, the, the attention and the care that I expect from these kids this week. And then of course, when they're actually serving is the same thing that I'm trying to engender in my people, in my congregation, their attention, not just to my homily, but to every, every bit of the liturgy to pay attention to the readings, to come, to come into the uh, to come into the liturgy, come to Mass, ready to give yourself to Christ rather than simply seek his gift to you in the Eucharist, which is immense, but it demands a response, too. Yeah, I, I, I can almost see as a, as a father, a different kind of father of six children, 
even in our home, like being able to, to kind of encourage and challenge my kids, not just to take orders from dad all day, but to, to be taught how to be part of the family and to be a, a valuable part of the family because it's what they are. So let me switch gears a little bit here and take this to, there's a lot of men, Father Stephen, as you know, we've talked about this, listen to this call all over the United States. And I ask the guests almost every time, because accompaniment was a huge part of Father Capon and Father Capon's journey and his time in Korea um, in the prison of war camp. But I, I, I like to ask our guests, like, what advice would you give, Father Stephen? You, you're in parishes. You're spending time with, with men all over the place. Um, what would you say? Uh, what would you say to men who are saying to you, "Look, Father, we've been in quarantine. The world is crazy. It's out of control. Like, give us some hope. Give us some encouragement, and perhaps even a little bit of direction um, as we emerge, but also just as we try to make sense of the craziness of the world." I am always brought back to the basics every Ash Wednesday uh, when we start Lent and. Uh, well, when those of us in the Roman Rite start Lent, Joe. Um, but uh, the um, the readings, the gospel reading for uh, Ash Wednesday is Jesus explaining to us how we're supposed to fast, how we're supposed to pray, how we're supposed to give alms. And the recurring theme through all of that is do these things in secret and your Heavenly Father who sees in secret will repay you. I think that a lot of us, when we do the right thing, great, wonderful. But we kind of expect a, pack, a, pack, a pat on the back. We expect somebody to see it, to notice it. We want that. We crave that. Um, and that is a false idol. That's something that we need to let go of, that we need to be healed of. Uh, so I think that, a, a, like, it's what it's on my heart to, to share with you all this morning is you don't have to be given credit for things. Uh, you want to, I know, I want to, I want, I want to be noticed, I want people to, to know and to see what I'm doing. But I'll give an example, um, in every parish, there's one or two people, uh, usually older, um, who is secretly doing a ton of stuff. And they never tell anybody about it, they just get it done. And then, one, it happens that they die, and all of a sudden, the pastor and everybody else who's involved in stuff realizes, wow, this person was constantly doing things for our parish uh, and we've got to now figure out a way to pick up the slack. We don't even know everything that they were doing. Like you might find out months later, oh gosh, this this uh, this AC filter didn't get changed because they were always doing it. That sort of thing. Unsung heroes that are just getting the job done that aren't looking for recognition. It's such a gift to our churches. It's such a gift to our families, to our places of work. When people are in it to do the right thing, not for the pat on the back, not to be seen for it, um, but because it's the right thing. That's what virtue is all about. Uh, you want to, like, Christ is not looking for servants who need the affirmation. He gives the consolation. Like, that comes. Like, it's not, it's not, he's not going to withhold from you the, uh, he's going to build you up, particularly if you're trying to align yourself with the grace and to cooperate with him, uh, with, with the grace that he's giving you. Uh, but in, an, in one of his parables, the servants come in, expecting a pat on the back from from their master and the master says who do you think you, you you've just done what you were supposed to do and a lot of times the thing the things that we expect credit for it's actually just the stuff that we were supposed to do anyway like you it's it is rare for there for somebody to be a good father 
but being a good father is actually just what's expected of you. Um, it's actually rare for somebody to be a good priest, but being a good priest is just what's expected of me. Um, it's the baseline. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I don't know if that's really consoling for everybody, but I think it's, it's really good advice. And like I said, it, it's what the church reminds us of every Ash Wednesday. Yeah, do the good, but also don't look for, don't look for affirmation in that. Christ is going, you're going to be taken care of, but be a willing servant of the Lord. So that's, I, I guess that's what I would have to say. No, I, I think it's, it's funny. I, I've been thinking about, I call them local legends. Like there are these people in your town that you're right. No one really celebrates. There's no, uh, they're not even really well known, but they're just, they're always there and they always deliver. And they're all, it's just, it's fascinating when you look and every town has them. I mean, I think the people on this call could look at, it's generally not probably the most popular. Uh, the most talked about, but they're just, they're consistently present to the, to the situation. I want to, I want to move into, uh, some areas that, that you and I've talked about in, in a, in a space that I think can, can be kind of personal, which is saints that you have devotion to. I've always been kind of impressed by your, um, spiritual life and obviously your priest, so I should be impressed by it. But even more than that, uh, just the fact that you so easily speak of saints and scripture, uh, but I know one particular thing you're devoted to is St. Michael the Archangel. And I think a lot of folks don't know a lot about that or even what to do with that. So can you tell a little bit about why you personally have that devotion? Um, and then maybe even for those of us on the call, how we can grow in devotion to St. Michael, because I think that's one that for this time in history is super important. Yes, thank you for asking. I'm happy to share. Uh, a few years ago, I had a very powerful conversion uh, centered on St. Michael the Archangel. So I'll just share that story with you quickly and then talk a little bit more about uh, the wider devotion. Um, there's a place in Italy called Monte Sant'Angelo, and a lot of you probably haven't heard of it. Some of you might have, and that means like, all right, you love St. Michael? Awesome. I had not heard of, this, heard of this place, even though I lived in Italy for four years in seminary. Uh, I hadn't heard of it until I went back to Italy on pilgrimage a few years ago with my parishioners, uh, and we went down to, to see Padre Pio at a place called San Giovanni Rotondo, uh, because, you know, a lot of my parishioners had devotion to Padre Pio. I did not have a great devotion to him, but certainly am in awe of the saint and his holiness, and so I was very happy to be, to go there. Um, and as we're going along, the tour guide says, oh, and that's the turn for Monte Sant'Angelo, and I was like, okay, whatever, and we went over to, to see Padre Pio. And then, um, as people were explaining the tour guides and everything about Padre Pio, and they'd say, sometimes Padre Pio uh, would say to people who come to visit him for confession, you're going to go see the angel, right? Talking about St. Michael at Monte Sant'Angelo. And I was like, I've never heard of that. I don't know what we're talking about right now. What is this? Um, and as we're going down underneath the shrine to see the uh, the body of Padre Pio, there's all these mosaics from the life of Padre Pio and from the life of St. Francis, because uh, Padre Pio, he's a Capuchin, so he's a Franciscan. Um, and there was one mosaic from the life of St. Francis where he's kneeling at a door, and the tour guide said, this is when St. Francis went to the shrine at Monte Sant'Angelo, and he did not feel worthy to go in, so he just knelt at the door and prayed. And I was like, what? What is this place that St. Francis did not feel worthy to go in? Because you guys might be familiar with St. Francis as, like, you know, the pet saint, the, you know, where you bless the, the pets and everything, and the outdoorsy and nature stuff, kind of a hippie or whatever. But that's not really who St. Francis was. St. Francis was an amazing and powerful and holy saint who had the stigmata, an intensely spiritual man 
very holy. So the idea that he passed this shrine and didn't dare to go in, I was, I was all in. I was like, well, we gotta go there. I gotta know what this is. I've never heard of it. It sounds amazing. Um, it sounds very special. Of course, we go there, and unlike St. Francis, who was much holier than me, I just went ahead and walked down into this shrine. It's, it's built over a cave where, um, in, gosh, the, the 6th century, I think, uh, there was an apparition of St. Michael the Archangel, um, who asked to have a shrine built there, uh, and, um, it has, be- it became all throughout the Middle Ages, and even to today, a penitential shrine, a place where you go to do penance. Uh, as a pilgrim, uh, they have tons and tons of confessionals set up there. You know, Padre Pio's great mission was to hear confessions. Well, it's actually quite special that he was doing that so close to this place that for centuries has been a place of penance. Uh, so as, as you descend these stairs down into this cave, going deeper and deeper into the mountainside, um, it was just a very heavy place, uh, heavy with, with holiness and with God's grace. And when I got down to the bottom, there was there was a mass going on actually uh, at the at the actual shrine where there's a statue of Saint Michael there, a very unique statue of Saint Michael. Um, but I I fell on my knees and sort of without prompting, uh, without without really thinking about it, began one of the most specific and clear examinations of conscience that I've ever done. Like the evil in my life and the 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 vices the attachment the 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 false idols everything that i was so wrapped up in such that i didn't even notice it anymore became very very clear to me in that moment um and of course i went to confession after doing that but after after i went to confession was absolved of my sins um that happened oh here's this little prayer card for you and it was a consecration to saint michael and i was like well that's obviously the next step so I knelt down, consecrated myself in my priesthood to St. Michael, and um, and I realized what was going on. St. Michael, in Scripture, he's the guy who kicks Satan out of heaven. The name Michael means who is like God, and it doesn't mean Michael's like God. It's a question. His name is a question. Who dares consider themselves like God? So, of course, he's the one who would throw Satan down because Satan was putting himself up, puffing himself up in pride. But guys, you and I do that too. We also make ourselves God. And so what I began to do in that moment, and it's been a central part of my uh, of my preaching too, is to encourage people to allow St. Michael to expel from you everything that doesn't belong. Uh, St. Michael, it's his job to overcome evil. And, and we pray to him for for protection from evil without, for protection against evil spirits. There's a great long tradition in the church of praying for him in time of plague, and that's kind of fitting right now, uh, but the, there's, he's, he's very much a part of the church's tradition of, pr- of praying for physical health. But also, I, I believe wholeheartedly, especially because of this experience, that St. Michael is someone that we can also pray to for uh, help to overcome evil within. Um, because it doesn't belong. And we have invited in into our hearts so many things that don't belong there, so much stuff that, that God would see us let go of. We need help. Uh, and St. Michael is uh, the chief of the angels. He is the, the highest angel, and he 
he also hates evil. Uh, so I, I, I really have found a profound connection and, uh, and desire to, to spread this, this idea that, you know, ask St. Michael to, to basically carry out what his name is. Who is like God? If, if I have been puffing myself up in pride, St. Michael, come humble me. Put me down. Destroy that. It doesn't belong. Anything that's in, that, that I am holding on to that's not of God is not who I really am. Um, so another way of thinking of it is the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit, uh, that God is going, you know, that God removes from us the things that, you know, okay, an angel is the instrument in the hand of God. Like there's, there's other ways of looking at this, but I really do feel that St. Michael is a particular saint, angel, of course, not really a saint, for our time and for us as individuals, not just against, you know, there's okay. Yeah. Powers of darkness out there that, that we've, that we pray to St. Michael, um, for his intercession against, but also to help us overcome ourselves because we are, or at least I, I know I can speak to how, to the vainglory and the pride and the, and the ambition and so many things that, that we am, that we embrace, um, that are not of God and are not part of God's plan for us. Uh, so, He's willing. The archangel, say Michael, he's he's ready to help you out. Um, so just you have to give him permission to come and expel all of those evils from your heart. Uh, that's, that I teach my children that prayer, and I would challenge anyone who's hearing this. Um, devotion to St. Michael is a big deal, and I think it's important for the church and important for where we are at this time in history. And if you want to teach your children a prayer, Prayer of St. Michael is one that I pray a lot, and uh, my children pray a lot as well. Father Stephen, it is always delightful to speak to you, and, and to go from uh, video games to Mardi Gras to altar server. I'm just I'm thinking of like the show notes here to uh, now, now to St. Michael. We we traveled a long way in a short period of time. Would you mind leading us in a prayer uh, before Scott's going to come in right after you're done and kind of close us out and, and give a few heads ups on what's coming? Would you mind just closing us in prayer, and again, know that I'm grateful for your friendship and honored to spend a few minutes with you. Well, and thank you for giving me the opportunity, and it, the, the feeling is very, very much mutual, Joe. I always enjoy speaking with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God, we ask that you give us the gift of self-knowledge, that you help us to locate the, the places in our lives that you are calling us to repentance. We ask that you, uh, especially through the intercession and the power of the Archangel St. Michael, that you expel from our, our, from our hearts all vainglory and pride, all gluttony and lust, all unjust anger and greed, Lord, that you would help us to overcome these vices, these unhealthy habits that we have established in our lives. Help us to know them, to locate them, and to, um, with with great love for you, reject them, to repent of them, to uh, to give them over to you as you uh, allow yourself to be nailed to the cross. We pray in your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Stephen. Um, it's great to have you. Great to, to hear from you. Uh, man, I, I took away a couple challenges, uh, 
from from this week one i think it's a challenge that we had had on uh, one of our videos i think on the stewardship series but the challenge was to do something for someone else without looking for reward and uh, father steven you you talked about that i think it's a, a good reminder i think uh, all of us um, there should be one challenge we do this week, just to, to try and find something that we can do quietly. If it's noticed, that's okay, but uh, we're not looking for that. And then secondly, if we don't know the St. Michael, uh, the prayer to St. Michael, I, I think the challenge is we should learn that and pray it. I think it's beautiful. I've never never heard that story, never heard of that, uh, that uh, pilgrimage spot in Italy, and I think it's a great uh, opportunity for us to learn that, yeah, it's not... Um, not just about like the evil out there in the world, but a lot of the times the evil in the world starts with the evil in us. So, um, yeah, thank you for those reminders, those encouragements, Father. Uh, it's been great to have you. Uh, the next, we actually have the next couple months, uh, booked already, uh, lined up with great guests. So, uh, we're excited to, to keep this going, uh, to keep you guys listening. Uh, the next two weeks is what I'll share about. Uh, next week we have Father John Hotze who is the bishop's delegate for Father Capon's cause for canonization. So he's the one who's been trying to uh, get him to become a saint, and he did all of the interviews, and so he knows Father Capon's life inside and out. And we're going to hear more about uh, about why Father Hotze thinks that Father Capon is a saint. And uh, it'll be great, lots of great stories. If you know his story... It's going to be important anyways because we all need refreshers from time to time, and there'll, there'll be something you learn, I guarantee it. The following week, uh, we're also excited. We've got uh, a lay missionary, uh, Joseph Miller, who will be joining us. He, he actually helps run a lay missionary company, a family missionary company. Uh, he's served all over the world. They send missionaries all over the world, including parts of the world where being a Christian missionary is against the law and they can run the risk of persecutions. So it'll be a really fascinating conversation and a really important conversation for us to hear, uh, for us to learn from, for us to support. So I uh, hope you guys can join in on the call the next couple of weeks. Again, um, re- remind your friends that the call is available if they'd like to call in with us this morning, uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, the podcast is available too, so you can share any of the conversations. You can re-listen to uh, to the conversation, uh, whenever you're driving, working out, whatever you, uh, works best for you. But please, uh, pull that up, listen, uh, share with your friends. Our goal here is to, to help Father Capon's story be known and to help encourage one another. And, uh, we need to do that in all sorts of creative ways, uh, during this time, uh, and in the world that we're living in. So, uh, we rely on each other. You guys give us hope and, uh, encouragement to keep going on. And we hope uh, that we're doing the same for you. So uh, we ask for Father Capon's intercession now as we leave and go about our day and uh, seek to follow his example in the world we live in. Thanks, men, and God bless. Thanks for joining us in the foxhole. As we go, we're blessed to leave you with these words from Father Capon himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee, 
Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.